Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Campus. Well, if you have your Bible with you, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you have, or some of you may trust our Sky Bible, it'll be up in a minute. You'll see the verses that are up there. So let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your presence that we felt just a few minutes ago. Lord, from the very beginning, all the way through, from the baptism, all the way through that last song. And so, Lord, now as we approach your word, we ask you to speak to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, anointing, because I can't say anything without you today. Lord, I thank you for the lives that you're going to touch and change today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes I find that when you want to motivate people to work, you know, get a job, do something with your life. I hear people often quote a verse from the Bible, and that verse is this. Can you help me to find where it is? God helps those who help themselves. In a recent survey by Barna, they found that 82% of Americans believe that that is a real Bible verse. And then they did a survey of Christians in America, and they only changed by 1%. That means 81% of Christians that sat in a service on Sunday morning believe somewhere in the Bible there's a verse that says, God helps those who help themselves. It's not there. Here's another one we often hear. When someone's going through something, we always say, Here's the verse. God works in mysterious ways. You ever heard that one? Guess what? It's not there either. We're in a series of things that Jesus did not say. If you've missed any of those, I hope that you'll go back. The first week we talked about YOLO. You only live once. You do you, boo. You know, just do that. And then we talked about karma. Uh, We talked about payback and how we're in the midst of that. And then we talked about forgiveness. And then last week, man, a Needed did such a great job of, you deserve to be happy. And now, today we're going to look at another area because sometimes when people feel overwhelmed, I often hear people say this, hey, remember, the Bible says God will never give you more than you can handle. It doesn't say that. We're going to look at that this morning because we've all said that at times, trying to encourage someone. God won't put more on you than what you're able to bear. So we look at that, and uh, you've got to realize today, first of all, Jesus never promised that we'd always be healthy. Even though I believe in divine health and I believe in healing. He never uh, promised that we'd always be wealthy. That you'd always find the best parking spot. Or that your spouse would never get a headache when you were in the mood. (laughs) I heard of a husband that went up to his wife and said, here, take these. And she said, what are they? He said, they're two extra strength painkillers. She said, what for? He said, for your headache. She said, I don't have a headache. He said, oh. I saw some of you guys write that one down, all right? 
I mean, we're well-meaning, but it's terrible misleading that when we say that God won't put more on you than what you can bear. In other words, God's going to protect you, and you'll never lose a child. God's going to protect you because you're a believer, and you'll never get terminal cancer. God's going to protect you, and you'll never have mental illness. God's going to protect you, and somebody will never walk out on you because that'd be more than you can handle. Can you see how this slogan sets us up for unrealistic expectations? Here's the problem. When we look at that and we say, okay, if God's not going to put more on me when I can stand, and right now I'm going through something I can't stand and I can't bear it, and I don't know what I'm going to do, then whose fault is it? Am I suffering because I'm really not a believer? Am I suffering because I didn't pray enough? Am I suffering because I had a miscarriage, uh, because I had an abortion when I was 16 and now I'm paying for it? So we say, but Terry, I remember, I remember there's a verse in the Bible that says that. But when we look at that verse, let's look at it. It's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. And you can look at that in your Bible or in your notes or on the sky Bible that's up here. Uh, and, and, Paul, and Paul is talking in the midst of dealing with temptation that the Corinthians are being tempted by so many things. So notice what he says in context. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations, the tempt, what? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Read it with me. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He doesn't say the storms of life are not going to be more than you can handle, but he says in life, when temptations come to you, temptations come to you in the area of your flesh, he said, I want you to know I'm going to provide a way out. Now, I know, you see, with temptations, we have a choice. You can yield to a temptation. And so a lot of times people are going through storms in their life because you've yielded to a temptation of addiction or you've uh, yielded to a temptation of something else. But I want you to realize today, when we're talking about God won't put more on you than what you can bear, scripturally, he only talked about in the area of the temptation. Because I know today that this message is for somebody that's here and somebody that's watching online. Because you've tried to encourage yourself in the little while, in the last little while, with what you're going through. And people have said, you know, just cheer up because God sees you and you're not going to go through more than what you can handle. So what do we do when we go through storms? What do we do when we go through difficulties? What do we do when we go through trials? How, how are we supposed to handle these? Well, if you're taking notes and filling it in, here's the first thing. You have to change your perspective. You have to change your perspective of how that you look at suffering, storms, difficulties, trials, and tests. How you look at those. Attitude is so critical, right? You ever met anybody just got such a great attitude? I heard the story about, uh, I stole this from Anita Kosoff. Ladies, if you hear it again later, so just, just go ahead and blame me. But anyway, I heard the story about this woman who had only three hairs on her head. She was losing hair, and she woke up one morning. She only had three. 
And she's not one of those ladies that had always a good attitude. Well, I think I'll braid my hair today with what I have here, these three locks. So she braided her hair. The next morning, she woke up and she had two. Oh, I think today I'll put my hair in pigtails. A great day to just wear pigtails all day. The next day, she woke up and she had one. Oh, today I'm going to put my hair up in a ponytail. It'll be great today. And the next day, she woke up with no hair. And she said, oh, this is awesome. I don't have to worry about fixing my hair today. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day. It all has to do with perspective. Here's what you got to realize. This is the truth. Welcome to the Father's house where we tell you the truth that you're going to have bad days. Here it is. The world will give you more than you can handle, but Jesus has overcome the world. And you might want to write, write this also in your notes. And he is with you. And he is with you. John 16 and 33. This is Jesus' his last words. He's getting ready to go back to heaven. And he's telling them that he's going to be crucified. He's going to go through these things. And he said, I told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth or in this world, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Did Jesus say you'll never have a trial? Did he say you'll never have a sorrow? Did he say it's not going to be more than what you can handle by yourself? No, he's not going to say that. He's going to say on this earth, in this world, you're going to have trials and troubles and sorrows, but take heart, take courage, because I have overcome the world. He said in me, in me, you're going to have peace, even in the storm. In this world we're living in today, you're going to have adversity, you're going to have storms, you're going to have trials, you're going to have difficulties. And tragically, that's where some of you are today. You're right in the middle of a difficult season. Some of you today may feel like that you've just been left out. You've been overlooked. You've been rejected, and perhaps you're all alone today. And you thought, well, I, if I became a believer, I thought I would never experience that. That's why I came to church, so that I would never feel alone. But you're going through a tough season right now that you feel alone. Or maybe today you're in a place where you failed in something. You worked so hard at that, but then you failed at it. And now today you're struggling with depression. And you're saying, you know, this is just getting heavier and heavier on my soul. I don't know how much more of this I can take. For some of you, it may be a financial season, a financial crisis that you're going through. You're saying, you know what? I tithe. I did what, uh, I, I did what uh, you said, and I've, I've lived to give and loved to give, and I've tithed. But right now, I've got to be honest, I don't know how we're going to make it through the rest of this month. This pressure is here, and it doesn't seem to go away. I thought once I became a Christ follower, I would never have, and tithe, I would never have another financial crisis. How many of you have been a faithful tither for years, but yet every once in a while you face a financial crisis in your life? Would you encourage others by raising your hand and saying, yeah, I know those storms. Tragically, some of you right now, you're in a health challenge. And my heart hurts for you because you say, why me? Why now? I've, I've been so faithful. I prayed for people and they've been healed. I believed in the past and I've been healed. But right now, Terry, I don't know why it is, but it just seems like this situation gets worse and worse and worse and worse. What's wrong with me? 
read my lips. Nothing is wrong with you. This is a season. You're in a season in which Jesus said, you will have storms in this world. But he said, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. For some of you, it may be relations. Some of you, it may be work. And some of you are here today. You're afraid. You're hurting. You're overwhelmed. And then we begin to say, God, where are you? I'm trying to follow you. I'm doing the right thing. Everything I know to do. And all I feel is pain right now. And I got to be honest. I'm hitting the wall. I'm right at the breaking point. Where are you, God? Let me tell you today. Paul, master Christian extraordinaire, gives us a passage of scripture in which he says, sometimes we experience more than what we can handle. Sometimes we experience more than what we can handle. I should put a comma, handle by ourselves. Look at this. First, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11 in the message. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in the Asian province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us, that it was more than I could handle. As it turned out, it was the best that could have ever happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or our wits to get out of that, read it with me, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead, and he did it. He rescued us from certain doom, and guess what? He'll do it again. Rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing, you and your prayers are part of the rescue operation. I don't want you in the dark about that either. I can see your faces even now lifted in praise for God's deliverance of us, a rescue in which your prayers played such a crucial part. He says, no, I don't want you to feel self-sufficient. I don't want you to hear God will not put on more than what you can handle. So just hunker down, power through, and white knuckle it. He says, no, no, sometimes you get in a situation and the only way you're going to get out is know that he's going to walk with you right where you are and he's there with you. If you believe that today, give him a hand clap. Amen. So as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, if, if Jesus said pain is a promise, there must be some sort of purpose behind it. Because I'm his child, and he loves me so much, and if he loves me so much, then what is the purpose behind the pain, behind the challenge, behind the storm, behind the difficulty that I'm going through right now? He never wastes a pain. What's the purpose? Well, I said you got to change your perspective. The world will give you more than you can handle, but what's the purpose? Here it is. Write this down in your notes. Trouble and difficulties reveal the depth of your faith. Troubles and difficulties reveal the depth of your faith. In this world, you can tell the depth of a person's faith that when a test or a storm comes their way, when they just throw up their hands and say, I quit, 
It's too hard. It's too difficult. I have too much pressure. I'm worried. I'm consumed. I can't sleep. It's not worth it. You realize that the depth of their faith has only been on a feeling depth. They've never experienced something that goes deeper than the, than the shallow down there. But somebody's faith who goes deep, in fact, Peter. Peter wrote his epistle to a church that was struggling under Nero under severe persecution. Nero would take Christians and they would find wild animals. They would skin the wild animals and then they would sew Christians inside the animal skins. And then they would release them out into the Colosseum. And then they would release the dogs on those which the dogs thought they were just wild animals that they're going to eat their dinner. And to the screams of the Christians and to the cheers of Nero and all, those Christians are there and they're being devoured alive by ravaging dogs. He would also take Nero hated Christians so much. He would take them and dip them into wax. And then he would impale them on a pole. And he would hang them in his garden. And he would light them alive. And let them burn at the stake. While Nero and everybody at his party were celebrating as the Christians were dying and screaming and yelling. And in the midst of that, Peter doesn't say, I'm so sorry for you. Oh, you know, evidently there's sin in your life. Listen to what Peter says. Specifically in context, he's writing to those Christians in 1 Peter 1 and 6. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a while. Verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine. Would you underline that? Your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you such praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. He says, I know you're going through more right now than you can handle. And you may not even get out of it. But there is coming a day when God's glory is going to be revealed and it will be revealed because of what you have endured, of what you have gone through. So if, when I read this, I read this, and he talks about to see if your faith is genuine. So if I say, okay, then the test is to see if my faith is genuine, then that means there must be a counterfeit faith. So the question today is, do you have a genuine faith, or do you have a counterfeit faith? Do you have a counterfeit faith that looks good on the outside, but your roots don't go very deep. I mean, you grew up in church. You know, you know, you know, where, you know what song is on page 352 in the old blue hymnal. You know when to stand, you know when to sit. You know when to answer the verses, you knew all of that. But you see, your heart has never really been totally surrendered to the Lord. You just go through the motions of coming to church. Or maybe here at the Father's house, 
One Sunday you raised your hand because you wanted to get the guilt off of you. And we said, go to the back, to the next steps table, and get a book and get a Bible. Get baptized. Get into a growth track to make a difference with your life. But you thought, oh, well, no, I just prayed the prayer. That's all I'll need. And then a storm comes, and you're ready to throw up your hands and quit. Why? Because you don't have a genuine faith. You don't have a genuine faith. Trouble and hardships proves our faith. Trouble has made you who you are. Dr. Maria Ray, who is a psychiatrist of national renown, has studied the great lives of great Americans who have achieved much success. Her conclusion, listen to this, no one succeeds who has not been driven by trouble to achieve their best. You see, the difference between a diamond and a lump of coal is that the diamond is a lump of coal that held itself under pressure. The pressure and the trouble on that coal made it valuable. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know what God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we're not broken. We did what they did to Jesus, they'll do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. And Jesus did among them. He does in us. He lives. Our lives are a constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting on to the best. So what do we do? Change our perspective. Realize the world will give you more than you can handle, but Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Second of all, we said troubles and difficulties reveal the depth of your faith. And thirdly, the troubles and the difficulties that you're going through right now are preparing you for a purpose. The resistance that you're going through right now is preparing you for a purpose. We go to the gym two, three times a week, and Al, uh, he ha he's there, and he's got a list of things that we should do, and they all involve resistance. I don't go into the gym, sit down in a chair, drink a cup of coffee, and listen to Spotify. But he says, no, you've got to go through some resistance because it's through the resistance, the lifting of weights or doing something else that develops your muscles. Listen to me, believers. It's the resistance of a storm or a difficulty that increases our strength. Why? So that you can stand in front of the mirror and say, as Anita did last night. She came in and she's looking really svelte. I mean, she's looking great. And so she says, how's this look? Whew, there's muscles popping up. I said, whew, you look, you look hot. That looks good. You got a headache? <laughs> no, I didn't. We, I know we go to the gym to make ourselves feel better, but also it's to make ourselves look better. Resistance and storms prepare you for the purpose that God has for your life. Wow. 
James 1, 2, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. How did God prepare Joseph to rule over Egypt? It was by the rejection of his brothers, being sold into slavery, falsely accused of a crime. His roots were going deeper and deeper. How did the three Hebrew boys, how did God use them? He revealed his glory while he walked in the fire with them. Could it be, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Could it be that God's preparation for you often comes packaged in pain? So what we need to start saying is, this is not pain. This is preparation. Say it with me. This is not pain. This is preparation. This is preparation to reveal how deep my faith is and also for the next thing that God wants to do in my life. I could tell you there are eight years in my life when it seemed like God never answered a prayer. I lost everything that I could lose. But in the midst of that, I realized that Jesus Christ became my best friend. Going through that storm, wanting to get out of it, wanting to get out of it, begging to get out of it. Somebody looked at me and said, Terry, there'll come a time. When you'll look back on this impossible situation and you'll say, thank God, it was the sweetest time I ever had. Because in the midst of all of that, the Lord did something in me that I could never do by myself. Uh, from a book called Hope Heals, a true story of overwhelming loss and overcoming love by Catherine and Jay Wolf. Let me read you part of her journal, part of the book. It was April 21st, 2008, when Catherine World suffered a massive stroke. She didn't lose her life, but she lost the ability to walk, talk, and clearly care for herself. She went from being a California model to a wheelchair-bound patient. She endured 11 surgeries and daily fights to regain her strength. More than once in her book, she said, I felt like giving up. She said, on one of the biggest occasions was the day before Thanksgiving, seven months into this ordeal. Here's how she describes it in the book. Despair washed over me as I watched Jay, her husband, and his sisters playing with James, our baby. Lifting him high in the air and laughing out loud while I could barely hold up my head because my neck wasn't strong enough yet. I found myself wondering, has God made a mistake? I've gone from making lasagna in my little kitchen to being fed all my meals through a tube in my stomach. I've gone from wearing cute little outfits every day to wearing adult diapers and a hospital gown. I should be in heaven right now. Then at least my family's pain would eventually come to an end. And then suddenly, before those thoughts even fully landed in my head and my heart, I felt a deep awakening of the Word of God, which I had known since I was a little girl. I could almost hear his rapid-fire succession of truths of Scripture, like a dispatch from God himself. Catherine, you're not a mistake. I don't make mistakes. I know better than you. I'm God, and you're not. Remember that you were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. There's a purpose in all of this. Trust me. I'm working out everything for your good. Don't doubt this truth just because you're in the darkness now. What's true in the light is also true in the dark. I know you can't fight this, 
That doesn't matter. All you have to do is to be still and let me fight for you. I will complete the good work I began when I gave you new life. I will carry it to completion. Believe that. My nature is to redeem and restore and strengthen. This terrible season will come to an end. You will suffer for a little while, and then I will carry you out of this. I have chosen you, Catherine. Live a life worthy of this special calling you have received. Something supernatural occurred, she said, in those moments as those truths hit me hard. God met me in the midst of, in the midst of my messiness of my life. And I felt fresh determination to press on and persevere. I suddenly felt extraordinary in spite of my terrible pain. That moment changed everything for me. It was my epiphany of hope. I knew deep inside that my earth suit was only temporary. I would never lose heart in this situation because my soul was not what was wasting away. My body wasn't working. That's all. Some of you today are racked in pain. God never wastes a hurt. He's revealing your faith. And he's revealing and preparing you for a purpose. Consider this. The setback that you're experiencing right now is just a setup for God to show up and show off in your life. That's why you can be hurting on the inside with all sorts of personal pain. And you can put on a smile and nobody knows what you're going through. Why? Because you've been knocked down before and you got up. You've been stormed before and you got up. And I'm telling you what you're going through right now, God is going to use it as a testimony to be able to help somebody that doesn't know how to make it through their storm. Let me pray for you now. I know that there's some of you that are hurting today. And with the pastor's heart, I ache and I grieve and I hurt with you. If you're here today or you're watching online saying, Terry, I need an extra dose of the presence of God. I need a little more grace right now for what I'm going through. I'm in the middle of a dark season and I'm struggling. And I know that God's going to pull me through, but right now, I just need a little extra grace. A little extra grace required. If that's you, would you raise your hand and let me pray with you and for you this morning? Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over this morning. Those of you that are watching online, hands going up. Would you join me in prayer as we pray? God, I pray for those who are struggling. I pray for those that are facing significant burdens just now. I pray that somehow in the midst of everything they're going through, they'll recognize that you're a good God. And that your goodness isn't based on our circumstance, it's based on your nature. And God, I pray that somehow in their pain, they will be able to say it's not pain, it's just preparation. Because you're doing something in them. More than what they could ever see. As you keep praying, I know that there are some of you that are here today and you say, you know what, Terry, I'm really low right now. I believe sometimes God lets us to get so low that the only way we can do is look up. 
Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? Honestly, my faith is a counterfeit faith. I've let little difficulties come my way, and as soon as it does, I'm just ready to throw my hands up and give up. I need his help today. Also, there may be those of you who feel the weight of your sin. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, the sinless Son of God. He died on the cross, the perfect sacrifice for your sins. On the third day, they went to look for him. The stone was rolled away, but the tomb was empty. He wasn't there because God raised him from the dead. Why? Scripture said he raised him from the dead so that anyone, and that includes you, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're going through, what difficulty, no matter what you've done, it says anyone who calls on the name, the name of Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, the risen one, the conquering King, the Lord of lords, uh, the King of kings, you call on his name, you'll be saved, forgiven, you'll be changed, and your life will be different, and you'll never be the same again. And if you're here today and you say, that's what I need, I'm looking up to Jesus right now and I need to surrender my life to him, invite him into my life and ask him to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now and say, that's me. I need a few to pray for me today. Thank you. Others today, others today say, yeah, that's me. I need you to pray for me. I want to do that. Those of you that are watching online right now, pray that prayer with me. Say, yeah, that's me. Just lift your hand up. Or, or maybe you feel like, you know what? My life is a counterfeit counterfeit. I, I'm not living the truth and I want to rededicate my life today. Would you just raise your hand? Let me pray with you. Pray for you. Church, pray this prayer with me right now. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess my sins and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sins and on the third day you rose again so that I could have new life. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.